Mike Zabrin, our last podcast episode of season one was July 13th. If you haven't listened to the Funktastic Chats podcast until now, or maybe you have been tuning in every other week, I want you to take a trip down memory lane with me as we go over some of my favorite moments from season one. And here's the big announcement. We are starting season two every Tuesday, starting on November 2nd. We've got so many great CEOs coming on here. We're doing it bigger and better this season. I want to take a few minutes and tell you about some of the great guests we have coming on season two. Let's start with Daryl Hurst, who is currently the director of market development in Canada for the online distributor CD Baby. He has a 25-year history in the music business, including launching and running one of Canada's largest emerging artist showcase festivals slash conferences, Indie Week Canada, which is this November. It's November 9th through 13th, 2021. And until we get to our podcast episode with Daryl, you could check out Indie Week on www.indieweek.com. We've also got Ruben Avery, who is the CEO of Back On Stage. Back On Stage is a web-based business management software for event bands and live music production companies. It's the very first app that lets band leaders and company owners organize all of their gig details, clients, musicians, payments, and repertoire all in one place. It is for band leaders who want to grow their music business the smart way by saving time with collaborative tools. One low monthly subscription will literally replace all of your existing subscriptions to Dropbox, Google Drive, Trello, Slack, or whatever else you're using to manage your band. And I'm actually talking to you from experience. I have been using the Back On Stage app, and I could tell you that this app will seriously replace Google Calendar, your task management software, whether it's Monday.com, Asana, or something else. Maybe even the way you're currently paying out musicians. Imagine booking musicians for an event and then being able to schedule an automatic payment to them from the same app. There's no better way to create transparency between you, your musicians, and your clients. If you want to get a head start before our podcast episode releases, which I seriously suggest you do, you could start your free 30-day trial at www.backonstageapp.com. Here's another one I'm really excited about. We're going to be speaking with Book More Brides. Kate and Nick's story are actually digital marketing specialists, copywriters, and social media experts for wedding business owners. And Bookmore Brides helps business owners around the world to better understand how to identify their perfect clients, what to say to get them to book, and how to create strategic online content that builds relationships and sales. We're going to talk about how to identify your perfect client, creating website content that converts online, how to stand out in a crowded market without lowering your price, simple ways to come up with content to promote your wedding business, how to build demand for what you offer, and the real reason you're not making enough sales in your wedding business. Check out bookmorebrides.com. All right, so that's a little bit about what we've got coming up. Those are just some of the few great companies we're going to be speaking to. Uh, Funktastic Productions is my wedding band, and let me tell you, this summer has been wild. I say this summer because it literally still feels like summer. Weddings have been bigger and better than ever. We've had so many events this summer where the contracts were signed in 2019. It's funny, in 2019, I always say, 
you know, we were like cookie dough that hadn't been put in the oven yet, you know? <laughs> uh, well, one of the topics that was discussed quite a bit on season one is how to combine your talent and your business, you know, because there's not one clear path set out for you as a creative. You don't have to be a musician. You could be any creative person. I think it's fair to say that the industry doesn't want you in it right away, right? This podcast is about combining your talent with your business so that the industry cannot deny you and has no choice but to open its doors for you. I want to reminisce to episode eight called Wedding Singer to Content Creator with Megan Brown at The Knot Worldwide. We chatted with Megan about her journey from a music business major to the director of content and B2B education at The Knot Worldwide. And we really talk about what it means to be the face of a brand and planning out content to marketing strategies that you can utilize right now. I want to play one of my favorite clips with Megan from that episode. Check it out. So I actually started as a jazz performance major. And after about two years, I was realizing that in order for me to feel comfortable making a career out of this, I needed to really understand that business side of things. And I know it was hard for my parents to swallow <laughs> being both performing musicians, my mom being the booking agent for, my, for the wedding band that my dad had when I was growing up. And they're also both music educators. So that was, of course, you're going to go down this road. But opening up um, to the business side of things allowed me to really realize how important it was and to fall in love with things like my accounting class, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. But <laughs> it was a struggle for a while. But for me, being able to really lean into that business side, whether it was marketing or accounting or all of those things that are part of running the business, that made me realize that was really where my heart was. I knew that the music and creative side of things was continuing to be something that I wanted to keep for myself. It's still a personal passion of mine. It's still something I love getting into a recording studio and doing things like that now. But for me, I just, that's when my love of the business side and it sparked. This is the missing piece for so many creatives, musicians, and anyone really on the small business side that many times is, is missing. Did you ever sing in your dad's wedding band while you were a jazz major? So we've definitely done a few things together. He and I have actually recorded a few albums together. I never sang in his wedding band, but I have sat, I have performed at multiple weddings on my own. But yeah, he retired from the, the wedding band circuit around the time I was actually going off to college. It's funny. I was actually a jazz major too. And I got out of music school and I had no idea about royalties, songwriting agreements. I started my own yeah. band and started doing session work and all that stuff. BMI, ASCAP contracts. Are we as musicians and others in the creative field doing ourselves a disservice by only studying content and not business? It's so hard, right? Because you're balancing what you're passionate about and what you know you want to do. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're educated enough so you're not getting taken advantage of. There's so many areas where like royalties and songwriting agreements, like you mentioned, are perfect examples of if you don't know the right things to look for, it can really hurt you in the long run. And so I think it is important to make sure you have that business aspect. I think if people end up going as a um, performance major, see if you can take some of those business courses. I was very fortunate that my first two years in school, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And to be able to have that balance between 
the amazing performance classes, but then also music law and learning about royalties and agreements. It made such a difference for me to be able to understand it and know what to expect if I were to have gone down that road. Everyone should take some of these like basic business classes, even as a performance major. You can be the most amazing musician in the world, but if you don't know how to market yourself, if you don't know how to read an agreement properly, yes, of course, you should always hire an attorney if you're signing a legal document to, to review that. But having a general knowledge of what to look for is so important and it can really make a difference in the long run. I loved that whole conversation with Megan Brown. Make sure you check out our episode. It's episode eight from season one, Wedding Singer, the content creator with Megan Brown at The Knot Worldwide. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. Do you want to have a professional career in music? Jeff Berlin is not afraid to disagree with any educator in order to get his message across on how to make you a better musician. To have a professional career starts with getting deeper into music. This is Episode three of the podcast, and it's the first of a two-part series with Jeff Berlin called The Dichotomy of the Self-Taught versus Academic Musician. Check this out. So here's how I would voice it as a teacher. Do it if it makes you happy. Use the tools of, of promotion. Do the things that count in regards to promotion. But I wouldn't wait for a career to develop from it. Rather, I would get deeper and deeper into music, practicing, playing as much as I can, learning and getting out there. And I think it's kind of a soup. It's You do three, four things at the same time. One of them must be your bass playing improving. And a career can be forthcoming. I mean, I want people to have careers if that's what they want. And I believe I know how they can get it. But the, the, the internet is a bit of a, of a, what is that, like a carrot in front of a, the, what is it, a carrot in front of the donkey, is it? What, when they get the donkey to walk because all oh, the internet, I can put out videos and I'm going to get seen. I'm going to get heard. People aren't making a dime. So how, how do you make money in music? It's what it comes down to what I said earlier. If you play, if you read, if you are so excellent in whatever style you've chosen, it's very hard to deny the music industry to deny letting a guy with talent and gumption into its ranks. But they're trying, there's more people trying to get into the internet, more people trying to get into the industry, and they need to learn how to play better. And that's what will open that door. Uh, that's what I hope for. I want colleagues. I want bass playing colleagues. I have some, and I love them. I love these guys. They're great musicians, and they're better bass players than me. I love these guys. I want these other guys that think that I'm kind of messing with their future to understand that I'm giving them, the, I believe, the straight poop and how to get a career or improve his players. It's up to them. I hope that people will give me some heed because I do know what I'm talking about. I love when Jeff talks about in this episode, the path to individuality. The path to individuality, he says, is always based in screw-ups. Look at an early Van Gogh and then look what followed afterwards. Those are just some of the words of world-renowned bassist and educator Jeff Berlin when discussing learning musical content from a teacher versus something that should be explored and self-taught. Throughout this two-part series, he discusses the clear path to becoming a successful musician and having a professional career, and he talks about personal growth and transformation and how it has improved his own playing in recent years. And this is just such an extremely open conversation with nothing left on the table. And I think both of our hopes 
in these two episodes is that this will be the most definitive interview of his viewpoints ever done. And uh, the feedback has been, it has been. So I, I really suggest you check out those two episodes. There was a blast chatting with Jeff. Jeff Berlin, The Dichotomy of the Self-Taught versus Academic Musician. Okay, and stepping away from the wedding industry and the musician side of things for a minute, in season one, we really talked a lot about automation with a lot of different guests. We've had coaches come on. Um, one that comes to mind is Ask Evie. She's got a great episode called How to Automate and Bulletproof Your Business. Game-changing tools that will automate and bulletproof your business uh, different task management systems, how different tools can work together. We've talked about ClickUp, Dubsado, Airtable, so many different things. But um, I want to focus in on Dubsado for a second. How much automation are you using in your business? And how can you automate the process, not only from your end, but the client's end as well? In other words, what if I told you that you can present options to the client, all of your different services, right, and have those options transform into a proposal, then a contract, and then an invoice, all by sending the client one link. I had the great pleasure of chatting with Biz Johnson from Dubsado. Uh, these are tools meant to streamline your business so that you could stop doing repetitive tasks manually. If you're sick one day, your business will still run. I mean, this is just something that's needed right now for your business in 2021 here. So I want to play a clip from the episode called Streamlining Your Business Like a Rockstar Using Dubsado CRM with Biz Johnston. This is episode four. And I want you to listen to a little bit of what she has to say about this proposal, contract, and invoice process with the client. The, the analogy that we use is that like packages are like things on a menu and the proposal is the menu itself. And so the packages are like the hamburger or the, the spaghetti type of a thing. And you can go through and really pick out what you want. But in regards to setting it up, always get your packages together first. And that's what you offer. And then you can add those into your proposal. And my main thing for proposals is turning it into something that your client can really imagine themselves being a part of. So they can see the possibilities of what you provide and how that relates to them in a proposal. And that kind of seals the deal. So really doing anything, whether it's a little bit about what makes you different or however you want to really close the deal, that's your opportunity is right in there. And as soon as they fill out that proposal, the contract screen is the very next thing that they see. And so sometimes sending a proposal is like, uh, it's not as of a high commitment question <laughs> as asking somebody to fill out your contract. Yeah. Can you talk to me about just the automation between the proposal, the contract, and then the invoice? Yeah. So you can link all three, which is pretty cool. And from whatever they pick in the proposal, it'll automatically, you can link it so that it automatically shows that their selections within your contract. And then once they submit that contract, it also shows up in an invoice and they can pay all right there if they want to. So it can be as quickly as a commit and go situation, or they can definitely wait on it, but they get all of that information right up front. And so they know exactly what they've selected, what's expected of them, what's expected of you. In that contract, you can they can sign it right away, move on to the invoice, 
and the invoice nicely lays out exactly what's what's being paid for and and it's all it can be one one quick swoop if you really would like it to be which i know a lot of people try to avoid all the back and forth between negotiating things and then into a contract and then into an invoice and things get lost and so this is a quick simple way to just get it all through quickly and and without a lot of back and forth if it's unnecessary and if you love music we have interviewed quite a few musicians in season one most recent ones being joseph wooten who is a three-time grammy nominated artist keyboardist and vocalist uh, since 1993, Joseph has been an integral member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, the Steve Miller Band. We've also chatted with Colin Peterick. Colin Peterick is the son of Jim Peterick, who founded Survivor and the Ides of March. And we chat with Colin about how he's stepping into the spotlight with his debut album. If you love Steely Dan, Genesis, Todd Rundgren, you will definitely love Colin's album. Another one of my favorites has got to be this episode called The Path to Making a Supergroup Band with Cool and the Gang, P-Funk, Fishbone, Taylor Dane, and more. There is this guy out there. <laughs> this guy, he's actually a friend of mine. His name is John Heinz. He lives in Los Angeles and he's talking about how he put this rotating cast of musicians together and how he's able to give members from Cool in the Gang, P-Funk, and more the green light for creative freedom in this project. And he talks about what it's like producing over 250 household name musicians how to get press and find writers. When you have all of these different members coming together and you have all of these household names, you really need to know your demographic, right? Because you're, because his band is called the Big Old Nasty Get Down. It's not called Cool in the Gang. It's not called, you know, these household names. There are members of these household names coming together. But, he, you know, John is really a master at finding the right demographic, the best business practices in the recording studio. And in May... We actually chatted with one of their musicians from Cool and the Gang who plays in the Big Old Nasty Get Down. His name is Michael Ray. Not only does he play in Cool and the Gang, but he's had stellar runs with Patti LaBelle, the Delphonics, the Stylistics, Sun Ra, and so many other legendary bands. And he has over 90 album credits with Bare Naked Ladies, Stanton Moore, Charles Neville, and the list just goes on and on and on. This guy is really a legend, and I think that every musician should know Michael Ray's name. And so I want to play this clip from uh, our episode here together with Michael Ray. It's called World-Renowned Jazz-Funk Musician Michael Ray Reflects on Decades with Sun Ra and Cool and the Gang. And this was recorded on May 4th, 2021. Uh, I want to play a clip here as he talks about Sun Ra and Cool and the Gang and, and just his life. I mean, it's really incredible and he's so humble too he actually played on one of my songs okay um and that just goes to show what a humble guy michael ray is because uh we had played a festival a new music festival in uh carnegie hall and it was a strange gig because they had a choir men and women that would bark and they had these nine, ten dogs, and you point to them, they ooh, and then <laughs> and that was quite bizarre. I said, "Man, so we played 
But as in Carnegie Hall style, as soon as the gig is over, your shit going out on the street. And uh, go to, we had this after hour party where I'm going down, trying to get paid. You know, everybody's waiting because Sunrise would pay you like he he'd hold hand his. Can you see it? Yeah, he'd have the money underneath his hand. Say, see me tomorrow. And you look oh, down, you know, it was a hundred. It was a five. It was twenty. Wow. So I was in. I was waiting to get paid. And uh, Sunrise was in the car getting ready to take off. So he says, you got to move to Philadelphia to get paid. I said, well, I know where I can go get paid. And I went to the cool in the gang office. You know, mm-hmm. years later, I'm still standing. With and then I wasn't really talking to you, Mike. I was talking at no good Craig. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's been a never as Gilmore says it's never a dull moment. Two years later, after joining Cool and the Gang, something special goes platinum, and those songs included "Take My Heart," "Get Down on It," um, and you're actually singing and "Get Down on It" too, right? Yeah, well, uh, everybody was singing. It's funny you bring up "Take My Heart." It was a time when. It was a hit record, and I was standing in welfare line. And the thing was playing on, I said, oh, man, this is something. So I had to get some, I was living in Yonkers, and we'll give you some some car fare to go up to Albany to get it straight. And then they handed me two tokens. I said, where's the car fare? See, that is the car fare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, brand new family and it was yeah. something. So so this song was playing on the radio and you weren't getting paid right. for it? Well, it was a point where cool and the gang manager mismanaged the management. You know, we came back from a sold out tour and it gave us all these little cool and the gang pins and a check. Rubber. Rubber check. Really? Yeah. So it was a time trying to get, and then it was a thing with Buzzy, he was management. He had a, not, what is it called? You fall asleep on the phone. Mm. Yeah. So I've been trying to whisper, Buzzy, I, I need my money. I need my. But, wow. But then I remember when the band was really a band. You know, it's more like a, a machine right now. Okay, and that's it for right now. We'll see you November 2nd for the debut of Season 2. I cannot believe I'm saying that. We just have had such a blast recording podcast episodes, and I can't wait to get it out there into the world. And we'll see you then. If you want to check out these other episodes from Season 1, go to www.funktasticchats.com. You are extraordinary. We'll see you next month.